Okay, a good evening, Erev Tov. Shalom Aleichem to everybody. We want to, first of all, give a shout out to Yisrael Yudkowsky and Jay Foundations, as usual. And today, um, not only is it the usual, but there's some extra special props and there's all kinds of new lighting. I don't know how it's going to be coming out, but there's a lot of R, there's a lot of light, so we hope that we're going to spread a little bit of light. And we weren't sure if we were, if we were going to be able to fit in a, um, a podcast, uh, Gedolim series, um, Zoom talk before Rosh Hashanah, but we decided we're going to do our best, Erev Rosh Hashanah almost. We're holding on the 27th day of Elul, the last days before the end of the year of Tavshin Peiveis. We're about to enter into Rosh Hashanah. And for sure, that's what's on our, mind, our, on our minds is <coughs> the upcoming um, awesome days. The, the, the way I would like to describe it, Rosh, Hashan- Rosh Hashanah is days of opportunity, days of ability for us to be able to, to, be able to get a lot of the ore, a lot of the light, and um, just happens to be, uh, again, nothing is a coincidence, but Rabbi Zemlich drew this beautiful painting of the Godel Ador, Reb Chaim, and we just sent it out to many Talmidim. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm not going to get exactly get the exact phrase that she used, but basically it's about bringing out the light. You know, Chaim was filled with light, and in times of darkness, we need lots of light. And I think that that's an apropos uh, way of us, I think, um, presenting what we want to really talk about a little bit about is not only Rosh Hashanah, what the opportunities of Rosh Hashanah are all about, the light of, of Rosh Hashanah. And as usual, we'll try to mix in some stories as well. I was over this week to have a very light-filled um, uh, experience. Besides giving the shmuz of yeshiva this week, I was asked to speak in front of um, 58th graders, Kitachet boys in Ramat Beit Shemesh, who go to the Talmud Torah called Torah's Moshe, and somehow uh, they got my name. There's an old Yaakov rabbi, Rabbi Moshe Hass, who is uh, one of the rabbis there, and he called me, and then I was said, you know what, it's an opportunity for schusim, and we all need schusim, and I said, I need, want to get a schus. And I, I mentioned afterwards, after I spent the 45 minutes with these wonderful, wonderful 12 and 13-year-olds, what kind of what kind of fun time I had. You know, I was able to teach them a new niggin, and they caught on to it quickly, and they sat attentively, and not only listening to the song and participating in the song, but then I told them stories and a few insights and got chizuk, and it just was lovely to see the, the true face of the, of the Yiddish Kinder, the light, the light of the Yiddish Kinder. And um, when you become a little bit older, like myself, and I'm getting close to being a zakin, maybe I'm, I'm feel, unless sometimes I feel for sure I'm a zakin, as we're getting up in the years, it's always good to be able to, to somehow be together with young children and to see the great optimism and the great avoda that we have of the tinoikah shalbeis rabba. And um, to a certain extent, it gives us all chizik that we all have to look for our tinoikah shalbeis rabba, our part of ourselves, that it was like a tinuk, 
like a young child. A young child has got imagination, has enthusiasm, is able to run and is able to do and is able to perform. And as we get into the last days of Elul, and we've been doing our avoda, and many of us have been taking stock of our, of our, you know, our deeds and what we have to rectify, what we have to, what we have to try to fix up. So sometimes we lose sight of the gishmak, the great light of our ability to, to I would say, to harken back to that light-filled part of ourselves, which is the part of the tinaik. I think that Rav Gedal Yeshua writes in a place that that's the union of Yosef. Yosef at Tzadik was called a nar. He was called a nar. And the concept of a nar is not, as you, normally we understand a nar is someone who's like a, you know, he's a fool. Like he said, does nourish the things. But the concept of a nar is a lesson of eranut, is a concept of youthfulness. And so Yosef at Tzadik always carried with him the youthfulness. And if you know anything about the Gedolim, the Pchayim, even in his elder years, but he always had he always had those those good jokes. He always had, as I said many times, and I told over the boys today the story which I mentioned in the in recently about Reb Chaim going to the Yam, going to the sea and swimming, and Reb Chaim, for many many years. For those of us that knew him, he always represented the Geshmak, the life giving force of what happens when a person is immersed is is immersed in in Torah. And this is what we all want. What do we want on Rosh Hashanah? We want the Rosh Hashanah Rabban Hashem should give us a year which is filled with light, a year which is filled with happiness, a year which is filled with sweetness, a year that is filled, filled with youthfulness. The youthfulness of what we can use and that opportunity to be able to put ourselves back into, this, into what we want as, as B'nai Torah, as B'nos Torah, to become better people. Today I went to visit uh, Kvarim. Uh, I have both my father, Oliver Shalom, and my grandfather, whose yard said happens to be the Shabbos. My Zaydi, Rabbi Yisrael Dribin, I want to mention a little bit about him because he was a wonderful youth, he was a wonderful grandfather. And I went to his caver today and I said to him and I said, Akel Mole, and Mitzvah Shabbos, I hope to be able to say, um, able to, to, to daven for the Yomit. And my, my, grand, my grandfather, was born um, in a place called Poltava, Poland. And he was zoichet to see the Tsar as a young boy together with his grandfather. And they made a bracha. And he told me about that experience. And then he came to the United States of America at a very young age. He was only nine years old when he came. And um, he uh, was brought up in the States. He went to public school. There were no yeshivas in those days, but he came from a very, very staunch family, and they were very, very from. And all of his life, he always was a, he always was a, a Torah-observant Yid. And uh, he also had a lot of youthfulness about him. I think that someone asked me recently, where do I get the Kayach of Nagina? And I think if I harken back to it, that my grandfather was a, was a, was a, was a Baltzfila, and he loved to sing. So I think that that part of my um, DNA came from my Zaydi of Yisrael. And my Zaydi Rabbi Yisrael, he, uh, even in his later years when he was uh, already an almond, my grandmother passed away and he lived in Bar Park and uh, he wasn't well, but he was a big, he would make sure to go to shul, he even had the, the black African that would uh, take him in the wheelchair 
and he would go to the Karlin Shtibel on 18th Avenue, and he would sit and learn, you know, learn Mishnayas. And I remember going it many, many times, and the Bachram in the, in, in the yeshiva would say, ah, your grandfather's like a young man. They said he always had that youthfulness whenever I'd come to visit him. He always asked me for a Dvar Torah. When I would say a Dvar Torah, he said, you have another Dvar Torah. I would say another Dvar Torah, you have another Dvar Torah. And then he used to say a line, which is a famous line. He says, a Dvar Torah is gewaldic. Of a Kupnisht to a Blat Gemara. Doesn't come to a Blat Gemara. The best thing is a Blat Gemara. And that was always a line that he always used to throw in. And even though he himself did not learn in yeshivas, but he always he knew what the importance of what the Torah learning was all about, and that the main thing is for a person to have a connection with the Torah and a blat gemara. And when he was nifter, he was nifter, and it was a, almost a miracle to get him here to Eretz Yisrael because he ended up being brought erev uh, Rosh Hashanah, and it was literally before we had to make the burial and we had to get back for Rosh Hashanah. And it was miracles how he got on the plane and how the plane went quicker. At least in our books, it looks like he got here quicker. And we were able to have the Levaya, and he was buried, and we were able to go into Rosh Hashanah. In fact, my mother, Shabi Gazutenstark, reminded me that she only sat a few hours because Rosh Hashanah is mafsik, it's like a yontif. You only had a few hours to sit because um, of, um, of that particular event which took place. And I always think about it that, you know, when I get close to Rosh Hashanah, that my grandfather, he was able to live to literally almost to the last day of the month of, of that particular year. And it gives a person uh, food to ponder on that every year is really a matana. How, when is, how long is a person supposed to live for? How many days? How many years? He was nifter also. I think he was 96 years old when he passed away. And as we said last week, you know, we spoke about Levadal you know, we want to separate from the queen, but we spoke about that she lived 96 years, and we said that the, the root of the word mitzvah is tzav, and tzav is 96. So for sure we could say to my grandfather, he would pass away at 96 years old, and he kept the tzavim, he kept the commandments. So that's one aspect that we want to speak about, is the, the concept of, of, um, of how we're going into Rosh Hashanah. Time of opportunity, a time of light. I saw it brought down over here that uh, we take a look at the physical world. We see that the physical world is split up into two parts. We have the we have the nighttime and we have the daytime. The nighttime is darkness. The daytime is light. And the Rebbeinu Shlom, when he created the world, it says Vayom Elokim Yehiar, and there was light. And what is the light? The light is daytime. But the 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 Medrash says. The true light is Elu Maseyim Shal Tzadikim. It's the actions of the Tzadikim. The Tzadikim bring light into the world. Chayshech is Laila. What, what's Laila? Laila is the time when things are dormant, when things are, when, they, when you have all the shady characters and the Mazikim, those are the Maseyim Shal Vishayim. Just like we have in the physical world, we have light and we have darkness. So for sure in the spiritual world, we know that when we have mitzvahs, we have ma'isim tovim. That brings light into the world, and uh, the whole purpose is to be megale, the kvod of shemayim, to bring out the glory of Hakadosh Baruch into the world. We're all going to be standing on Rosh Hashanah. What are we going to say? We're going to say Hashem Melech, Hashem Malach, Hashem Yimloch, Lolam Void. We're going to be trying to our best to become again outstanding citizens of the Rebbeinu Shlom's Malchus. To be megala to kvayt malchus shemayim into the world, 
to bring light into the world. The R, that's why we say in these days, we say, L'david Hashem Ayri V'yishi. The Mishbaku is our light. And Ayri is Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is a time when we now have a, 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 an experience where the day and the night is all going to be R. No matter where we are, Rosh Hashanah is filled with light. And all we have to do is attach ourselves to the light. When we, the more we attach ourselves to the light, ah, then we can become givaldic. I saw a givaldic avort from the Baal Shem Tov. Baal Shem Tov says in this week's parish, we say the very famous Pesach. Pesach says, no matter where a Jew will be, it's really the Pesukim, when it speaks about the mitzvah of tshuva, so the Ramban already explains that we're speaking about the days of Yom Mashiach, because Baruch is going to return all the people that are in exile. And it says, even if there's going to be someone, a person will be literally at the edges of the heavens, HaKadosh Baruch will gather them together. And this, the question is, what does it mean, the edges of the heavens? You know, people don't go to the heavens unless you're going to go on a rocket ship. Is that what it's talking about? So the Baal Shem Tev says, the already says, a lot of times you have Yidin that, uh, you know, we have to go through the uh, travels, travails of, of, of life. So sometimes a person does a chet. He says he even does a maisa oval. He takes ribbis. When they, or he takes oyna, you know, in business. And, um, and he somehow, he, 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 he says to himself, it's not so bad because, you know, if I have money, I'll be able to give tzedakah. I'll be able to, 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 to support my children, send them to yeshivas. I'll pay the schalim, I can be ma'anig the Shabbos. So he somehow he comforts himself with the with the with the opinion that you know I'm not really doing such a bad thing, but he is doing something wrong because he's doing he's doing no, and sometimes even they end up you know a person can even end up stealing, and he says it all under the guise, he says but at least he has some sort of intent of toiv he has a machshava toiv deep down inside is a good machshava, so the Baal Shem says that even if a person would be so nidach that he's at the edges of the heavens, that means he's doing a chet. He's not really in the Shemayim, he's at the edges of the heavens. And, but he has a little kavan of the same Shemayim. It's connected to the Shemayim. Yeah? It's a Shemayim. Yishami Kabetzka Shemayim. says, oh, this Yid really has, deep down inside of him, he has got good kavanas. So, HaKadosh Baruch is going to get him, and get to do tshuva, or get him to come back. But a person has no intent to do anything good. All he wants is darkness. He doesn't want any or. Then, unfortunately, he's not able to. Um, he's not able to uh, to be part of the light. So, what it, the real question is? Opportunity of Rosh Hashanah. What kind of opportunity do we want to have for this Rosh Hashanah? And I think if we look back, you know, we had a generation that we were zoichet to be able to be in the in the in the, in the Generation of Reb Chaim. And that's a great schus. It's a great schus for Klai. So we saw that great light. And many of us have, uh, were able to attach ourselves to that light. And even if we didn't have a personal connection with him, but his light filled the entire generation. There's no question he's going to be what's called a Melitz Yosha for our generation. And when we take a look at the world today, we see how devoid the world is from anything which is called light. The world is filled with lots of chayshuch. But within ourselves, within the Jewish nation, the Jewish nation is filled with pomegranate seeds and it's filled with apples and honey 
It's filled with uh, challah and honey. It's filled with honey. It's filled with masuk midvash. And the more we attach ourselves to those, those sweet things, so then the Rebbeinu says, ah, no matter where they are, they could be nidachacha, I'm going to bring them back. I'm bring them back. And uh, I have this story, which I always say over, um, near Yaakov, what, at one time we moved to Kataman. I think I've mentioned it a few times, but now we have a little bit of a story, an Erev Rosh Hashanah story. And um, we moved to a, a neighborhood which was considered secular. I think I've mentioned that. And the yeshiva was located in a very, very, I would say, upscale, um, I'll describe it for less, it was secular, but it was really anti-religious type of neighborhood. And when the yeshiva was moving in, we mentioned that there was a court case, and we won the case, but we had a few neighbors that weren't exactly happy that we moved in there. And the first few weeks, you know, the boys that came to yeshiva were such angels that, they were such angels that they liked to, Davin late at night and made a lot of noise. I'm joking. They weren't actually davening, but they sometimes would make noise and the neighbors would complain and sometimes they would call the police. And there was a whole thing that was going on. We tried to keep them quiet. There were many, many nights that I ended up sleeping in the yeshiva because of that. And then what happened was we had Rosh Hashanah and we had Yom Kippur in the yeshiva. And uh, it was very interesting that on Yom Kippur, the... Um, the neighbors, a lot of the neighbors, even there were secular neighbors, but for some reason they decided to come and daven in our minion that we had in the yeshiva because they saw that the yeshiva really wasn't a regular run-of-the-mill black hat yeshiva. It was like modern Orthodox kids. It was, you know, guys that didn't necessarily dress with hats and jackets. And uh, they felt comfortable. And Yom Kippur, a lot of people have this feeling of connection. In Israel, I think 80% of the population is um, fast on Yom Kippur. And we had people with long hair with ponytails. Some of them look like guys in the yeshiva. And uh, it was great to be able to have them come into our minion. And I remember I was davening Kol Nidre, Kol Nidre, which is the, you know, the beginning of the holiest day of the year, Yom Kippur. And we had this neighbor who was not a happy camper. He, was, he wasn't coming to daven. And for some reason, there was some antagonistic uh, attack that he decided, he said, for some reason, this Yom Kippur thing bothered him. And he came into the building shouting and screaming, And he wanted to disturb and he didn't want to have davening going on. It was really such a, like a, so out of the whack attack against the yeshiva and against the davening. And the person that saved the day was Rabbi Tzumlif, who said to him, I won't say exactly what she said to him, but basically she said to him, you're not going to go into the building and uh, we're going to continue davening. I'm paraphrasing a little bit what she said. Um, and, but there was this, like, like, I would say, like very harsh tone to this attack that took place. And that year, we had a lot of run-ins with this particular neighbor. This particular neighbor was uh, a Jewish person. He had a long ponytail. He happened to be, he was a, he had a radio program on the uh, Kol Israel. He was very high up in the uh, Israeli, um, the Israeli media system. He was like a well-known person. He was a jazz, uh, he was a jazz player, and he, you know. And um, I tried to speak to him a few times, and many times it was just. And um, but what I want to say is, is that after we got through the year, 
the following year, I, I, I discussed the issue with the air layer of. And the air layer of, was such a smart person. He said, you know what? Go to him every Rosh Hashanah and bring him a bottle of wine and a honey cake and tell him you want to make amends and you want to ask for slicha mechila and, and see what happens. And that's what I did. Every Rosh Hashanah I went, I knocked on his door and he opened the door. Even say his name, it was Mr. Granit. And I said, can I come in? And he says, yes, you can come in. He let me into the house. He was very civil. And I said to him, listen, you know, we went through the year and I know we had a lot of difficulties and you know we're trying very hard and I really want to ask for your mechila, for your forgiveness. If we, ever, if we did anything to you that bothered you and we're going to do our best to try our best, keep the boys will be quiet at night. They shouldn't disturb you. And I want to give... I want to give you this bottle of wine and this, and this honey cake. And I want to invite you to come in and maybe if you want to come pray and dive in with us. And it was an amazing, amazing moment. All of a sudden, he said to me, he says, And he starts telling me, he says, my grandfather lived in Meishon. And I was Dati until I was 18 years old. And every Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, I would dive with my grandfather in Meishon. Now he himself didn't go to, he didn't grow up in Meishon, but his grandfather was from Meishon, and he um, he said, then I went, I became a soldier, and you know what happened? The Yom Kippur War broke out, and I was up in the north in the Golan, and we were all alone, and our our our. Uh, Fortress was attacked by the Syrians, and just about it. And I want to tell you like this: that was the first Yom Kippur that I broke my fast. I always used to fast on Yom Kippur, but that Yom Kippur I broke my fast, and many of my buddies were killed, and I was saved. And that traumatic experience of Yom Kippur, of the war, and everything else took place. Then I already threw off all the rest of. Judaism that I had, and since then I haven't had a Yom Kippur, you know, but I know what it is, I know what it is, and first of all, it was just, it was a meeting of the, of the hearts and a meeting of the minds, and it was like an amazing, amazing thing that a, um, a Yid who went through that experience, and he must have gone through a very big traumatic experience, and that probably caused him to have this antagonism, because he always felt, he said he always felt guilty, that maybe because he didn't fast in that Yom Kippur. The whole war broke out and his friends, his friends didn't make it. I don't know. I, no one can judge any person. But you have a Yid that deep down inside of him, he still has that, that pintle Yid that shows that there's still part of the Jewish nation. There's still some order, there's still some light. And from that day and onwards, our personal relationship is a lot better and the relationship with the yeshiva is a lot better. What did we do? We went out of our way to show another yid respect. And I think if you're asking me what type of opportunity can we take uh, before this Rosh Hashanah and this, and this Yom and Narayim that's coming up, the concepts, the concept of what we can do for another person, how we can bring light to another person. And there's so many areas, you know, I just have to tell you, I'm just going to mention it because I just saw it recently, the Shidduch crisis in America. I know there was, I saw something on Yeshiva World News and Mr. Gary Barnett, 
and the Wachtvogel, the Dober Wachtvogel from the Yeshiva South Fallsburg, they discussed about the whole Yeshiva system, how the boys are coming back later, and therefore there's a problem with the numbers of girls finding Shaduchim, and it's a major, major crisis. You know, they're discussing about how they could somehow shorten the time that Yibachana go to Brisk and Demir, that they should only say a short time, and they shouldn't get into the freezer. I'm just bringing up, but the, the truth is there's so much uh, need for us to worry about our fellow Jews, our fellow Jewesses, our neighbors, the Almanas, the Yusayim, and there's so many, the sick, the, the ones that need the, 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 the tzedakahs. The Rabbanisham, this generation we see, we're just, a, we're surrounded by it. And if we have an opportunity to help in whatever way we can, that is a schus, that brings more light into the world, to care about another yid. So I think practically, you know, Rav Hayash uh, says that these parishes you have, we just finished parishes Kisava, Kiseitse, Kisava, and now it's Nitzavim. So Kiseitse sometimes is the concept, it's got to do with battle, it's got to do with like pluses and minuses. What kind of year did we have? Did we have a year that was a positive year? Did we have a negative year? You know, and a lot of times we look at our bank accounts. You know, I put in a lot of money, but I had so many expenditures. I'm in debt, right? That's what I'm looking at. And it's a kiseitze kind of year. Then there's a kisova kind of year. Kisova kind of year is like bikurim, oh, first fruits, everything is going good, everything is going gishmak, right? And every person in life has different types of experiences. There's some kiseitze yidin, there's some kisova yidin. But then comes this week's parasha. Now Rosh Hashanah is coming in. The new year. The new year means the new slate is starting. The day that Adam Arishim was born. The day that we are also all, are all born. The day that we have the opportunity to exclaim, Mil Hashem Eli, who is to Hashem, goes to HaKadosh Baruch Mil Hashem Eli, goes with Moshe Rabbeinu. And how do we do it? By bringing more or attaching ourselves to more, looking at a picture of Reb Chaim and saying we were blessed to have in our generation Reb Chaim who brought, brought us so much light. We're going to blow the shofar. We're going to hear the tekiahs. We're going to have a tekiah at the beginning, the shvarim and the chuan in the middle. Tekiah in the beginning represents a straightness. It, it represents power. It represents the Yiddish and the Shama. And then we have the Genuche Gonach and the Yulu Yolu where we're crying we realize that life is not so simple. There's tzaras in life. And then we realize, we return back to HaKadosh Baruch and we blow again another tekiah to represent that we go back to HaKadosh Baruch and HaKadosh Baruch Hu with us. We want to wish everyone a ksiva v'chasim ha should be a year of shana toiva masuka. As we've said in the last week or so, Tav Shem Pei Gimel is coming upon us. Teheshnas Pidyin Gadol should be a great redemption for us and for all of Kali Yisrael. Wishing everyone a good Shabbos, Mitz Hashem, a wondrous, light-filled, opportunity-filled Rosh Hashanah. We should be zeichel for all of Kali Yisrael to the coming of Mashiach Tzidkenu. Thank you very much for listening. We want to thank jfoundations.com. If you could sponsor any of our activities, be another way of addressing and being able to give over Torah to other people. Go on the website and show your support. Thank you very much for joining us.